Welcome to another edition of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Episode 161, I'm with my co-host Chelsea Hopkins. Our guy Ani Amana is on the road and, and trying to recover from a long weekend of basketball. It has been a long weekend of basketball as we shoot here on a Tuesday morning. Obviously, the Ball's Life All-American game was this past weekend in Southern California. There was also the Ball Dogs All-American game on Sunday in Las Vegas. And a lot of NBA action. We're going to try to cover it all. So appreciate you guys being with us again for another episode. Chelsea, how's it going? It's going good, Ronnie. Had a great weekend with my girls. Um, you know, the AAU season is underway. Um, so we had a tournament in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, I'm feeling like Eric Spolstra, you know, made some adjustments from the last tournament, came back, dominated this weekend. So I can't complain. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh, doing good. Again, you know, we, like we said, we saw kind of the end of the cycle of these national all-star games with this 223 group. Like you said, focus forward is... 24, 25, and 26, and then now we're interesting. 27 is going to come be coming in high school. That's just crazy to say, but you know we got events coming up in terms of like big camps and and the scholastic and in June. So like that's the focus, obviously, for the younger kids to develop and and uh, get their games right and maybe get some scholarship looks. It's been a very, you know, I think people are finally starting to get it. Like for these younger guys. You see these good high school players in 223, and some of them don't have scholarships. So I think it's going to wake people up. You know, on the boys' side, a few coaches are asking me, you know, what does this kid got? I'm like, he's not, doesn't have a D1 offer right now. Wow. So junior college coaches, that type of thing, you know, so lower level coaches. So for your girls, like, you know, what do you tell them that as you make adjustments, obviously everybody plays a little bit, but you're like, hey, you know, if you're going to be a college player, like, you're not just going to come to me and, and why is my girl not playing more? Like, it's just not going to work like that. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I have a younger group um, this summer. So this past tournament, I was doing 14 and under. Um, but my actual team for the duration or the rest of the summer, I guess, is 13 and under. So obviously, my girls are a ways away from, you know, from even, you know, kind of thinking about college. But, you know, I kind of drill that mindset and that mentality into their heads, you know, from the start. Sure. Um, everybody gets opportunity, obviously, when you're dealing with kids that young, like everybody's going to get in. But, you know, right. I try to just tell them that, you know, if you have college aspirations, that it's it's not easy. And, and college, you know, unlike the situation that you're in right now, is not equal opportunity. Sure. So, you know, you have to let these kids know, like, you know, you have to play well, you have to do well to the best of your ability you know, to, to earn minutes and to, to earn a chance. And you're going to get a chance no matter what here, but you may not get a chance no matter what there, if you're fortunate enough to even get a scholarship. Correct. Um, so right now, you know, I, I try to give them little pieces of information, but I don't want to kind of flood them at a young age. I, I want the game to be fun. I always am asking them questions. You know, what do you want to go to college? You know, because you can coach people differently based off of, you know, some girls just, maybe you're out here having a blast because they love basketball, you know, but some girls, yeah. are like, no, I, I want to be in the WNBA. I want to go to North Carolina. I want to. So if, yeah. if those are your goals, we still have to start challenging the mindset, you know, right now, even though it's at a kind of young age. So right. that's the group that I have. Um, I really just try to pour into them, but what we talk about the most is just working really hard, maxing out on effort and, and being a star in your role. 
whatever right. they think that role is. And sometimes I have to adjust and tell them, this is your role, <laughs> you know, it would yeah. kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. I see what you're saying. You know, they might have to be good rebounder or a good ball handler. So yeah. Somebody that find a role for them. And let me ask you a question. Cause we talk about it sometimes off line and sometimes on this pod, but yeah, you know, like, do some of these girls look up to the uh, younger WNBA stars or do they kind of like, hey, I, I like LeBron James and Steph Curry or do they do they like say, hey, I follow this girl in college coach. What do you know about her? This girl in the WNBA. Have you met her? Do you know her a little bit? You know, do you get any of that or is it still, hey, I like to watch, you know, Steph Curry launch threes and play the Lakers? It's 100 um, percent more, you know, they trend more or tend to know more about the NBA than anything. Okay. I will say we've seen a shift in our girls because we have a WNBA team now. So, you know, uh, we do have the aces. The season is underway. You know, the girls are kind of wearing T-shirts. every. Well, we have practice jerseys now. But before, you know, they like Asia Wilson. They like Kelsey Plum. Sure. Um, but I really think it's because the this, you know, our team is here to the in the forefront. Um, sure. I would say in general, overall, they know way more about Steph Curry, um, Probably than anybody else. He's, I, I see, is the favorite amongst um, the girls on my team. Girls. We, make, girls. we make bets all the time about, uh, hey, coach, you'll meet 10 pushups if, if the Warriors, you know, beat the Lakers tonight. Like, so, so I definitely know that they're paying attention. Um, we talk to them a lot more about the women's game and we tell them, yo, if this is where you guys want to be, then yeah. these are the players that you need to watch. Yeah. Um, Sequoia, what am I? Uh, my good friends, also fellow overseas player, but also a coach in our program. Uh, she will quiz the girls like randomly, like, okay, name three players on the Phoenix Mercury, not named uh, Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins, or Brittany Grinder. And, <laughs> and the girls have no clue, like legitimately. And then she'll they, be like, they don't know. no. Yeah. All right. And then she's like, okay, well, now we have to run. She was like, if you guys have these aspirations, you need to know these players and you need to watch more basketball. You need to, you know, watch the girls that are in the league that you want to be in one day. Oh yeah. That's so, a, I kind of why I asked you because we talk about that and, and that's the message I try to portray and said it before and maybe not straightfully, but if you're going to tell us to support you, support your league, support your league, mm -hmm. everybody, but you talk about Steph Curry and LeBron James all day, the two, two are not going to match. So hopefully the yeah. young girls keep learning from, Girls such as your Sequoia and yourself, and it, it keeps helping. It obviously makes a difference if there's a WNBA team, seems like, in that city. Yeah. Uh, sure. You know, or, or, you know, obviously there's a few popular teams, but it definitely helps that the Aces is in Las Vegas. So uh, the W starts next week, 519, uh, May 19th, as we're toward getting toward the middle of the month. So, yeah, um, that's, that should be, you know, obviously we had our W preview. Go check that out if you get a chance. The information is still good. Very good in terms of your insight there for the teams. But tell us uh, where are they at? What, what goes through right now? Let's say you're in a training camp. You've been in a training camp. How many girls are in there and where do they cut to 11? Uh, so, well, training camp's underway. Preseason games are underway. Uh, camps can be pretty full. Like, you know, maybe on the first day of camp, um, you can have maybe around 20 girls. Uh, a couple girls even, you know, missing. Uh, but but you know the way that camp is kind of designed because some of those key players are playing overseas you know they kind of pack camp because they need enough bodies to even you know get through whatever the agenda is so you know to have the ability to work on stuff 
yeah, you have practice guys, but for the most part, you know, you want um, a lot of players there just to kind of maximize the preparation uh, for what's to come. Um, and then slowly, as you see players return from overseas, then teams are starting to make cuts, uh, balancing it out. And then usually when you get to training camp lasts probably about um, two weeks or so, a couple preseason games mixed in towards the end of the two weeks, uh, two to three games. And then once you're getting down to those final days, you'll see teams uh, be at a 14 man roster, 13 man roster. And you'll see, you know, those last couple um, girls kind of drop off. Uh, to get to 11 or 12 and gotcha. you know you don't have to uh carry 12 girls I mean so that's the even unfortunate part that you know sometimes these teams are are having 11 man rosters they're waiting for people to return overseas so they'll let you hold that spot until they get there and then when they're back it's it's kind of this is who we have makes sense makes sense yeah that's cutthroat uh we'll see what happens in terms of um you know, like, is there an expansion? What's the next step? I know people mentioned that. Uh, many players mentioned that. You know, people that follow the W mentioned that. Um, as far as the grassroots scene, you know, uh, we got uh, events all over. We had just the two live periods. There's going to be some uh, events on Mother's Day. Nike EYBL is going to be down in Dallas. We're on ES. I know he'll be watching again. And then we, you know, the, that's Mother's Day weekend. So hopefully everybody gets to spend some time with their, their their mom. And then, you know, the following weekend might be a slow weekend. Then Pangos Camp will be the first weekend of June, June 4th through 6th. That'll be in Las Vegas. So I'm sure we might see Ani again. But, you yeah. know, he, he did a good job this past weekend at the Balls Life All-American Games. If you guys want to watch the replay, you can, it's on YouTube, the boys and the girls game. Uh, you know, three separate streams. The dunk contest was was there. So Ani was on on, on analyst with me, and he was the second and third quarter with, uh, and, and then and I did the first and the fourth quarter. But he did a great job for an event that was really good and it turned out to be a good game. So, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, like you said, Ball is Life was Saturday. I think Ball Dogs was on Sunday. Ball yes. Dogs was in Las Vegas. I didn't have the opportunity to go, but I know you made it down in time, so you saw both games. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, overall, uh, you know, this group did a good job. I would say that, you know, be, be the, the McDonald's game, the, they got a lot of uh, kudos for playing hard as a group. And the Ball is Life All-American game was a group that played hard as well. Mm -hmm. And the game went into overtime. So shout out to Scott, our guy Scott uh, Camo, who kind of helped me split the teams up. He, he's, he's a rock star in that, and it turned out to be a good game, 157-154. Uh, team future beat team, <laughs> team elite, yeah, 157, 154. <laughs> and it was it was 34 29 future at the end of the first, it was 69 69 at halftime. So, mm -hmm. like, the game was good. Yeah. Um, the MVP of the winning team turned out to be the highly ranked or most highly regarded player in the field, Justin Edwards, the 6'7 wing forward going to Kentucky. Justin Man. had 27 points, 12 of 19 from the field. Uh, mm -hmm. Justin kind of redeemed himself because uh, his team was leading with two seconds left. He took the ball out of bounds and he threw like he wanted to throw a long baseball pass. Turnover. And his teammate thought the game was like, okay, mm -hmm. the game's over, but the turnover. So the ball's back the other way, you know, back at the other end from where he threw it from. And that gave Marcus Adams 
Kentucky, yeah, Kansas-bound Marcus Adams from Southern California. Kind of, everybody kind of knew he might touch the ball. Mm-hmm. At that point, he had like forty points already, and it's like, okay, can he win it on a three? He had eight threes in the game. Oh my god! And so he was eight of fourteen from three, and so people were like, he, you know, if we can set up an inbound play, the coaches kind of. Uh, our street ball team was the coaches and they kind of like in the last few minutes got a little serious, you know, like this game's close. <laughs> we caught a couple timeouts. So it was like, can he get a shot? So he caught it on uh, the top of the key, kind of pump faked a couple of guys and he got fouled. So it was like, Oh boy. So we were trying to figure out like, is this a one and one on the floor or shooting? So the ref called a shooting foul. It was like, Oh, he could win the game here. He missed the first one. It was like, Oh, so then he made the last two, got into overtime. And then the uh, team future, the blue team, uh, trailed, and then they won it in the last minute. So kind of, and, and Justin Edwards had some big plays. Uh, so so he kind of was able to ironically redeem himself from throwing that long ball. So 157, 154. His teammate who really gets credit, I think, for his defense on Jared McCain. And, and not just that Jared didn't have a good game because Jared had 22 points. But, mm-hmm. like, he really guarded him in the last minute or two. Like, they really went out, like, two of the better guards in the in the country and, and – Jeremy and Jared played in all the other big all-star games. So, you know, kudos to them for coming out. And, like, he really caused a couple turnovers. He caused a, an errant pass that, you know, the orange team, team elite, the losing team, dropped out of bounds. Excuse me. So things like that. It really made a difference. His effort really made a difference. Uh, Jeremy Fears, uh, Michigan State bound. We had three Michigan State bound players in this game. 11 points, nine assists, two steals. But it was just his – overall effort toward the last his last shift that really made a difference uh the the mvp ended up being edwards and marcus adams marcus adams broke the scoring record for that all-star game uh for the ball's life game and it's mm-hmm. been around 10 years this is the 10th one he had 44 points three steals five assists 15 of 23 from the field four rebounds like he really had a good game it's like everybody was like wow this guy you know because people Thought he might be part of the 224 recruiting cycle, but he didn't have any more eligibility left at his high school. So, you know, he's naturally a 223. So he's like, yeah. And he did a good job this season. Got a scholarship to Kansas. And people were like, wow, he's really – he plays inside for his high school team, but he can show he can handle the ball a little bit like a, a point forward. Um, and, and and obviously he has a pretty good shooting stroke, and he's a mid-range game that's not bad. So I think on a national level – he showed that he can really do some, some things. So it was great to see him show. I, and, and it to be a really good game. You know, the fans were there for two games. Uh, you know, that's a long time to sit through a game with the dunk contest in between. So the real star of the show, the star, I think the MVP of the, the whole show was Cohen Carr. He's kind of an undersized four. He's one of the Michigan state trio. And we really wanted to get him out here. Cause we, yeah, he's a high flyer. Some of these guys were high flyers, obviously, but, He's just played so damn hard, Chelsea. Like he just set the tone immediately. Because yeah. even some other guys that are in grassroots, the grassroots space, they go to many All Star games. They're like, they're easy to critic criticize or be like, they mm-hmm. see things that are wrong. They're like, yo, Cohen Carr really played hard and like made that game really good immediately. Like the other kids knew that they were gonna have to do a little something because he was gonna embarrass them. If, he was gonna yeah. embarrass them if they did it. Like he dunked on a couple of them. You know, like grabbing re- offensive rebounds. So, like, they they all stepped it up as a group. So, shout out to all the guys who played. So, Co- Cohen Carr was on the winning blue team. Like I said, he really had a great first half. Uh, ended up with 23 points, 18 rebounds. 
I'm looking at the stat sheet now. One, two, three, four, five, six, six rebounds in the second half. So he had like 12 rebounds in the first half. Wow. Just like set the tone. Just with his, his physical nature, uh, if he can improve his shooting a little bit, he can kind of do kind of a little bit of what a Jermon Green could kind of do. Maybe mm-hmm. not that good of a passer, but like that energy can slide to different positions, guard. Blue guy. Seven. Yeah. So he's terrific in that regard. And then the third Michigan State player was Garrick Norman. He had a pretty good game as well. Just kind of solid all around. 14 points. Hit some couple three-pointers. So those, those guys did really did good as a group. Just running down some of the other statistical leaders. Again, it was 157-154, so there was a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. Mike Price from uh, Corona Centennial had 21 points for the winning team. Um, 26 points for Wesley Yates, the third. That's Ani's guy out of Beaumont, Texas, state champion, two-time state champion. 26 points. He did really well. 11 of 19 from the field. And then for uh, the Orange team, the team that unfortunately came out on the losing side, we mentioned Marcus Adams, that line. Andrew Meadow going to Boise State. Uh, 22 points. He had six rebounds. He did really well. And then Jared McCain, the Duke-bound point guard, who's you know Mr. Basketball in California, had 22 points. Again, he he just did a lot of little smart things. Jared Jared is a, a crafty player, strong, gets in the lane. And again, him versus Jeremy Fields was a really good game. Um, you know, so shout out to all those guys and the ones we mentioned. Uh, AJ Johnson also had a good game for the Orange team. He's going to the NBL professionally in Australia. Okay. He had 17 points, eight of 12. Just just played steady. Didn't do anything. Uh, you know, like just played within his game. Didn't, didn't didn't try anything too too crazy. So the game ended up being good. You know, again, kudos to the 223 class for really playing the game. As you again, it's an all-star game. The ball's life game is open affair. There's obviously a lot of dunks and highlights, but in the, when it mattered, they really played hard. So that okay. was good. And, and Sebastian Mack, who played at Coronado, is going to UCLA. He had 15 points in the uh, for the winning future blue team, and he came back the next night and was the MVP of the Ball Dogs All American game, and he had 33 points. So he wow. played. True Washington going to New Mexico in his, in his uh, you know, his family member, Ty Ty Washington was at both games. So good to see him support him going from kind of like me and Ani making that road trip from LA to Vegas. Uh, Cohen Carr played in both games. He had an impact in, in the ball, ball dogs, all American game. And there was one more player who played in both Rayvon Griffith, who had 17 points and eight rebounds on Saturday and had a, Good showing on Sunday as well. So nice. shout out to those four guys for playing in both. Uh, you know, Ball Dogs, a community affair. A lot of games all day. The last game was very late, meaning the national game. Um, and our guy, Neil Carter, tries to make it in a community event. It was at Liberty High School. And, and I think there was girls games, preliminary games, underclass games. So a long day of basketball for people who supported that event. But, yeah, shout out to those four guys for uh, – for, for playing in both games as we wrap up the, you know, all-star circuit and wanted to mention, of course, the girls game balls. I've had their first girls game, of course, 107 99 team future came out on top. Uh, the MVPs were kind of the MVP, the, the star of the, and we kind of knew going in Micaiah Williams going to Alice. He was one of the stars, 25 points. Yeah. Madison Booker 
Some big time player, a lot of big time players on the girls' side. Madison Booker going to Texas had 27 points. So those were the two MVPs. Great game. That game was close to the wire as well. You know, uh, Team Future kind of pulled away at the end with the, got a few stops, a few turnovers, but uh, great game. Shout out to all the coaches. Shout out to all, you know, almost 45 players that played. Obviously, we were a little shorter on the boys' side, so the boys got a lot of more minutes. Yeah. You know, the girls was a little more packed. It was 12 on 11 on the girls' side, and, and, and it was a few less players on the boys' side. So uh, just wrapping that up and Overall, shout out to the whole Balls Live team for putting on a great event. Uh, you know, again, the players get a lot of credit because obviously they made the event, but they go a lot of it goes into it. Shout out to the production team, the Dave Odyssey for producing the two games. And you can go watch the replays. Go find us on our YouTube page, just like you can with our In the Paint show. You can always go back and watch it. Uh, Ani's going to put up uh, a couple stories on BallsLife.com, just kind of re, re, revamping it, re, 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 you know, rehashing it. Just to confuse his standouts, the guys he thought stood out, and then you can watch the replay. Yeah, I'm. You know, I wish I would have had the opportunity to to check out the Ball Dogs event. I was present um, last year, and you know, Neil, as you said, is is doing his thing. He's just trying to, you know, bring the Vegas community together, get some good talent here, and showcase, um, you know, some of these high school players. And and what I like about Neil's event too is it it caters uh, to a lot of the local players, you know, that aren't so much on the national scene. Right. Um, I think what do you say? Neil's Neil's event has like seven games. So, yeah. you know, a lot of underclassmen games and, you know, just people that may not ever have the opportunity to play in an event like that. Um, yeah. But, to, you know, have the opportunity to do that in front of, you know, Las Vegas and, and, and their fans and their parents. Um, I think, you know, that's excellent. So I'm a big fan. I'm glad Ball's life went good. Glad Ball Dogs went good. Um, yeah. I mean, it's exciting times for these kids. Um, as yeah. you said, most of them are committed. There was also a huge commitment um, this weekend with our guy, Bronny James. Yeah. Um, finally, finally coming out and saying he's committed to USC Trojans. And, you know, we've talked a lot about him on the show. Um, so what, what are your thoughts about his college uh, selection, Ronnie? I think it was kind of when we seen some of the guys that jumped in the portal, when I seen Trey White who's a pretty good freshman and Trey's going to Louisville now. Mm -hmm. I kind of said, okay, these guards are not going to be there. It, it kind of seemed he was going that way. The longer it waited, like it, Ohio State didn't seem like uh, uh, the choice it's because, good. yeah, well, because like you said, fit, but also his family is going to go, you know, they're pretty well rooted in, in Los Angeles. Um, his younger brother Bryce is now at Campbell Hall. So, and his sister's at Campbell Hall. So if you're going to do that and, and and your two, you know, siblings are moving school, that kind of shows that you're committed as a family to staying local, right? I mean. Okay. I didn't I even mean, know. I, so wait, so Bryce, no more Sierra Canyon for Bryce. No more Sierra Canyon, correct. I didn't know Campbell that. Hall, which is a near school. It has a new coach, David Grace, who was uh, previously a UCLA assistant. So they have a new new coach. But, yeah, that kind of showed me that they made a commitment to stay in town. So they're – Bronny was probably going to stay in town or maybe go to the G League in mm -hmm. Las Vegas. But I that sort of made sense. And then you're thinking Oregon and said, well, you know, probably not. Probably probably stay local, you know, especially, uh, again, with this, with this family situation. And it is an opportunity. You know, again, they don't, they're not – they have Boogie Ellis coming back. They have a good backcourt. Mm -hmm. But he's going to get some chance, you know, yeah. some opportunity. And uh, it, it, it's probably the best fit in terms of college for him, you know, just looking at it with the level he's going to play again, people have a wide range of 
where he may excel mm-hmm. and uh he's you know again we talk about kids that are just big time stars rock stars in high school like um whether it's jason kidd in in california lebron nationally and, and obviously from ohio uh, we talked about some of the best high school players in our last pod when we when we mentioned that uh cameron Cameron Boozer is the national player there. We kind of went through that, so I don't want to spend too much time on that. But my point is, he may be popular than all of them. So, Chelsea, is he ever going to get a fair shake? Like, you're going to have a wide range of opinions on him. I I don't know if he might be a little bit better than his detractors mentioned, but he might not be as good as some of the people fawning over him. So I wanted to get your opinion about that. I mean, I like the, the college choice. You know, I said before that I thought that you know, even though they have him, you know, ranked, you know, a, a potential lottery pick, I guess, when they did the mock drafts. Um, I, I just look at him as a very solid, capable mid-major type player. Like when people were trying to say, you know, Blue Bloods, they want Kentucky and Duke to offer. Like I didn't see that from him. Sure. And, and that's OK, though. You know, basketball is very much you talk about excelling. It's very much about fit and opportunity. Sure. Um I think USC, you know, was a good choice for him. Like you said, he's going to be surrounded by his family. And yeah. and with the transfers leaving, I think there is an opportunity for him to come in and do well. Sure. I, I don't think that he's going to be some, you know, incredible um, college talent. Yeah. But at the same time, his goal is to get to the NBA, and, and you don't have to be. You know, sometimes kids get drafted off potential. Sometimes kids get drafted because right. they're a specialist. Sometimes, you know, this kid is – uh, three and D and and that's what the Oklahoma City Thunder is looking for. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so, sure. so I, I think that he's gonna get an opportunity. I don't think that he's gonna be some dominant college player, but I think that he is going to ultimately find his way to the NBA because that's in the cards from him for that's him. Cards for him. Yep. Yeah. LeBron is his dad. He has all the resources. Um yep. and I don't want to say that he's getting, you know, drafted just because of nepotism, because I do think he's a very solid player. But I think that he's one of these players that's going to develop. He's going to find his way through college. And if he's fortunate enough to touch the league, he's going to have to navigate through that as well and and, and find a role where he's able to stick. And, and we see that happen all the time. Like people think that you, a lot of people go to the NBA and they're not stars. A lot of people have to navigate the highs and lows of finding their role and their niche. And, and that's what keeps them on a roster. I mean, there's a million examples. We, we see Pat, Patrick Beverly who had to go get it overseas. We, we see yeah. Jimmy, we, Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, you know, like everybody, there, yeah. there's so many routes to the NBA. Sure. Um, so I know that's his goal. I feel like he's going to get there or touch it in some capacity. I think he personally is going to need two years of college. I don't think he's one and done type of player, but you know, I think time will tell. And as I say all the time on this podcast, like I am rooting for these kids and you know, if, if they have these desires and dreams, uh, hopefully they put their head down, put in the work, and, and have an opportunity uh, to reach those dreams. No doubt, no doubt. And he, like again, you're you're coming from the standpoint of uh, like you're positive for young men. He's still a young man. Like you said, it's easy to criticize him. He's only 18 years old or whatnot. These guys get a lot of publicity. And um, again, do I think he's the 12th pick in this upcoming draft? No, I don't. You know, do I think he's going to play in the NBA? Yeah, I do. I do think, like you mentioned, he, he is going to play in the NBA. You know, again, on our All-State team for Cal High Sports, he was second team All-State. He was pretty close to first team, first 10, but he had a good closing. He had some good games down the stretch. The team made it to the regional final, SoCal D1 regional final. It's not like they were 
not good. Um, uh, was he as good as Marcus Adams? Was Jared McKay? No. You know, is uh, Caleb Foster? No, he's not to that level. But he yeah. was, like you said, a pretty good player. I just don't know if he's ever going to get a fair shake. Because, again, uh, look at his dad. There's some people that don't. Oh, he's not a true Laker. There's some Laker fans that still really don't like LeBron. And if they win this whole thing this year, maybe they might like him. They definitely don't think like, oh yeah, he came in the bubble. They did pretty good. Like there's, I, you can hear like people's disdain for him because why? Probably honestly, main, in many respects, probably because of Kobe's death, really. Mm-hmm. Because if Kobe were to say, if Kobe was alive, just come out and say, LeBron is a great guy. He's a Laker for, you know, he's one of our, people's attitude would change, but he's not there to do it. And there's nobody else to do it. Um, no, he's not going to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, I agree. But Kobe, you know, before he passed, was showing LeBron love. Like, you know, he was he was at the games. They're dapping up and hugging, and there's a lot of mutual respect. But but you're right. Like, it yeah. it, it, it speaks to the point that there's there, you can never be enough for somebody. Correct. Like it's there's always going to be a hater, and and the one reason that I I, I really like Bronny James is because he's handled all of that so well. Yeah. Like, who knows what it's like to be LeBron James' kid? Who yeah, knows what it's like to be LeBron James' kid and try to be a basketball player? Yeah, like it, it's just difficult. And and I see this kid as so such a level-headed, like, yeah, handles all the the good, the bad, um, yeah. with with such poise and and grace. And that's why you know, even though he may not get a fair shake, I think he's yeah. going to succeed just because of his personality. And because right. how he's handled already to this point as an 18 year old, he's only going to get better with, yeah, with maturity and experience. Yeah. So he, he's going to be just fine. I really believe that. Yeah. When the fawning stops, when the cameras are not always around him. And again, we can't say that Baller's life is part of that phenomenon or part of that issue cameras in people's faces. So we can't sit here and knock them like completely. Like, but when somebody pulls them aside and be like, yo, this is why. You need to, what you need to get better at. Forget all the mock drafts. Forget all, this is what you're not good at. I can tell him right now, okay, you got to be able to break down guys in the half court better. You know what I mean? You, you The game is a little, at the McDonald's level, was a little fast for him. Mm-hmm. He was on the court at the end. He threw a couple bad passes a little too late in a mm-hmm. close game. Like So he's, the speed of the game is going to have to, the, the decision making. Because everybody's like, oh, look at his athleticism. Yeah, well, on a straight line and on a fast break, yeah, he looks like a smaller version of his daddy. Yeah, we, we know that. Like, that's not going to be the case, you know, like yeah. forever. So, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see because, like you said, it is a crapshoot. So as, as we transition from the end of the season, the 23 cycle getting done, we're, we're going to start preparing for the NBA draft. We'll likely have a show again. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the W kicks off, we'll, 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 Ani, me and you will come on and, and we'll break these guys down. And we do need to break them down because now as we transition to the NBA, we'll bring Ani on. I think Ani's going to join us now. And so as we talk about the NBA, we'll get his quick thoughts on the, on the balls. I fall American game. And like I said, Ani will, put up a story a little later on ballslife.com this week that you kind of get his, uh, get his recap of the game, but we'll, we'll hit it real quick, but we're going to transition to the NBA. And then as we transition to that, we'll talk about the all NBA rookie team. And and we, we mentioned some of those guys on our show last year, which was great. We always, we appreciate everybody that was tuning in all across the world, really pre right before the NBA draft started. And we went through like the 10th pick or whatnot. And, you know, it's not like Chelsea, the, the all-rookie team is one, two, three, four, five. Like, mm-hmm. we don't think that they won't get drafted that way. 
but like it's a continuous development continue to get this right nobody's perfect you know mm -hmm. nobody gets it slam dunk right all the time and nba gms maybe we'll talk about what that with a little bit with ani too when he joins us like that you know it's a lot of intel a lot of no matter how much they look at the guys evaluate them on game they're still not going to get it right all the time right they just don't and that's why the draft it's not uh set in stone especially with where they're coming from basically one year of college and now guys if guys are doing two or three years of college they're probably transferred once you know yeah and true. most high level high school players transfer many of them transfer once you know so uh let's let's bring in ani now and uh you join us yeah ani what's what going up, on what up how's it going Everything oh good? man no red eye flies that's no joke yeah, oh yeah. Going back from Ani joins us now from uh Dallas and he was obviously in Vegas for the two games, two national all-star games, and he worked the event at the Balls Eye Fall American. As I mentioned, he was uh doing it some anal analyst work and some interviews, which you can see on the reach the, the you know the replay of the stream. Uh just Kylan, I kind of went over the, the the statistical things and the score and the 157, 154 overtime. Just give us your two or three like highline from the Balls Life All-American game? Oh, man, just Marcus Adams, right? Uh, going to going to Kansas, this is one of them, you know, yeah. uh, breaking the record and the scoring. And then he had, like, what, 18 rebounds or so? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, just shattering both records, the three-point, like, just him shattering records. That was uh, yeah. that was crazy. I think someone like Andrew Meadows, for me, that was yeah. – uh, he was – who's going to Boise State? I thought that was another just interesting – you know, player just coming up, someone that uh, yeah. I think can potentially impact right away for a Boise State team. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the big one, Cohen Carr, <laughs> right? I think Cohen, his uh, his stock really rose this weekend, just, you know, going to Michigan State, just his athleticism, you oh, know, yeah. just very powerful. I mean, we did – I haven't really seen him play like that. So yeah. this, this past weekend was like a sight to see like, oh, man, this kid got a chance to be really, really good. No doubt. Um, I, I mentioned that. I mentioned that there are some guys that that are in the grassroots space that can easily break down how good an event is, whether it's logistics, uh, play, lack of play, lethargic play. And, and everybody was like, you know, they played really hard for an all-star game. They, you know? they played hard, and, and Cohen Carr has to get the credit for that. Like, at the start of the game, he's playing really hard. And I think the other 20 guys or so are like, hey, wait a minute. If this dude's going to do this, I'm going to have to, you know, we can't just, it's not just for the show. We're going to have to play a bit. And I think they did. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I thought guys did play hard. I thought guys did get after it. It didn't feel too NBA all-star-ish, right? <laughs> like what we saw. I mean, yeah, guys had open layups and stuff. Sure, but sure. I thought guys competed. I, I didn't feel like anybody really wanted to lose that game. So that's, yeah. that, and they played like it. So that's. That's what I do appreciate as well. Yeah, that was a good show. And again, that that, that happened, same thing in the McDonald's game. Uh, we got a lot of reviews that Iverson practices were very hard. So mm -hmm. uh, then you go to this game, Ball's Life, and overall it was good. The practice was pretty spirited. The players enjoyed the three-point competition in practice. You know, they, they all wanted, like, yeah, I want to shoot. And they really they liked the, yeah, I want to get to the final. I want to shoot on sa on Saturday. You know, some of the guys are like, man, I didn't get to shoot. I'm like, hey, man, I called your name. You gooping around. We're serious. You know, like the girls were on right. it. Mm -hmm. Like 15 girls or something. Like, you know, I'm calling out their names. You know, Booker, next. You know, Summers, next. Boom. They're like ready to shoot. So that was good to see a little bit of competitive 
competitive nature. And, yeah, the the three point, but also like the the scrimmages yeah. were really intense. <laughs> like yeah. you know, they didn't want to lose those games, man. Like the, the, sure, those sure. girls, and those boys went after it. You know, there was a lot of excitement there. I was I I enjoyed the weekend. Yeah, great. And likewise as well. Um, again, we we kind of dropped in the ball dogs game. Uh, I'd mentioned Sebastian Mack was the MVP of that. So kudos to those four guys that played in both both games. Long weekend, I guess. And as I talk to the guy, Ani, you interview them, they are kind of ready for college. Like, honestly, they're, yeah. ready. they're ready to graduate, <laughs> go to prom, or if they have it, they go to college. So, like, that's enough about the high school realm. We kind of talked about Pangos coming up and, and, and Dallas EYBL. You'll get the chance to watch the EYBL. Another session, I may go down there, but if not, you, I know you'll be covering it. So mm-hmm. that, that will we'll be covered. You know, we'll have our bases covered. We're going to have to put out our final top 100 on Hoop Scoop. Um, Chelsea kind of mentioned mm-hmm. about Ronnie and, and, you know, obviously we're not going to have as high as some other people have them, which is not. I mean, we, but, like, the, the final order is not really kind of kind of kind of coming to being set. But right. the guys are ready to go to college and – We'll see where they land, where a lot of those guys are in next year's NBA draft. We had Anthony Black as one of the judges, mm-hmm. and he should be in that in that uh, draft, Nick, you know, this upcoming 223-1. And there's still a lot to be decided. As in this next month, I know teams are doing a lot of their intel, Ani. Um, you know, it's never-ending cycle. They, want, they can never have enough information because they're going to miss. You know, some right. teams are going to miss, and we're going to talk about that right now. Here in a few minutes about the all NBA rookie team, we'll let Chelsea break that down and who they are. But it ain't the first top five guys that got drafted, and we talked about some of that. I, I think you mentioned that uh, Walker Kessler might have been a good pick of where he went at twenty-two. Mm-hmm. We we had a few guys that we thought uh, maybe went too high or too low, and again, we're going to do that again in this upcoming show that we'll have in, a, in about a month, month and a half. But we're, we're going to do our homework and and uh get to that but just give me your high line about this 223 class real quick and, and how that relates to the nba draft because they're not there yet you know and, and nobody's saying wow this is just like a kick butt group they got some work to do and maybe that's why they did play hard in the all-star games they want to show people hey we're we're you know we're, we we're here and we you know look at us we 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 are nba gonna be nba players right now that 23 class of- I, it still hasn't there is an interesting class because no one's really just broke out and beaten been the guy right there's no uh you don't see like that Keontae George Anthony Black uh you know just those, like even Ben Simmons type guy in in this class but you got some good players uh it this called this freshman year like this 23 24 season college come interesting see which freshman really step up 24 class right now on paper doesn't look great but i think there's going to be some guys that are like top 40 top 50 top 60 guys that eventually you're going to see our lottery picks right our first round draft picks um and and i think we're going to get back to more of those mid mid to late first round guys being some of these older guys right from the from the draft and especially if these freshmen don't really pan out as well as uh, people are saying so i think the 23 class are still like yeah you could say ron hall and isaiah collier um you know just edwards kind of been in the mix there's still some guys in there but there's not guys you're like oh he's gonna be an nba all-star you got guys that are gonna be good pros i believe but I think you may see the best player that's not even really listed in your 
top 20 or 30, it may be a guy that's not even a McDonald's all American game. Correct. Right. Uh, it's one, it's one of those type of years. So be interesting to see. Yeah. Like if Cohen Carr stays a couple years, develops a jumper, you know, uh, continues to develop again, he could be a contributing NBA player. Nobody thought that, you know, a year ago again. Right. So, so you, we'll see what happens. So Chelsea, give us the rundown of the, uh, all first team, all, rookie team and then we'll kind of talk about where they got drafted and then we'll get into the nba playoffs close with the nba playoffs yeah of course well uh 2023 nba all rookie team consisted of five players um the number one was pretty much unanimous and paulo bancaro from the orlando magic um as expected you know i don't think anybody didn't have him um being uh, on this team and also being rookie of the year, which he was. So sure. kudos to him. Um, we have Jalen Williams from the Thunder, who I thought was very impressive this season. He, he played very well. Um, sure. He was second. He got the second most votes. Uh, Walker Kessler from the Utah Jazz. Uh, this is one one guy that Ani thought uh, could have been picked a little higher sure. um, than he was. But, you know, he performed for Utah. Uh, Utah was a little bit of a sleeper. Like, they overachieved. After they made those trades, nobody thought that Utah would be good, but Walker Kessler stepped in, and and he was definitely a contributor. Uh, Keegan Murray from the Sacramento Kings, a sharp shooter, three-point shooter, um, I think as expected with the way that he played. And I think he broke the record for threes. I don't know for rookie, maybe for sack, or, but he broke some record in, in three-pointers made. Um, maybe he led, you know, this season in three-pointers made. Um, great player as well. And then finally, from the Indiana Pacers, Benedict Matherin, um, the guy that said that uh, Braun had to, you know, show him he's he's better than him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? He backed it up because, look, he found himself on the all-rookie team. And, you know, he didn't outplay Braun, but he – He, he backed it up? I mean – he made all rookie team. He didn't back it up in terms of his flavors broad, but I'm saying like, you know, he, <laughs> he got what, what else? What else? Yeah, what else did he do besides make all rookie team? That's, I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah. What, what, he's at least he made it. You know? Did he show he's better than LeBron? No. Okay. Did he he'll back try. it up? But I'm saying he backed up some of his trash talk with his play. I got you. Um, yeah. Okay, Ani, you know what I mean. Of course, Bron's my guy, and he did nothing to LeBron James, but kudos to him. I check the polls. Okay. Gotcha. So we got 1, 5, 12, 13, 22, right? Matherin, 5. Uh, yeah, Matherin, 5, Keegan Murray, 12, Walker Kessler, 22. So yeah. all first-round picks, yeah. um, Kessler being the, you know, 22 and, pick. And Jalen Williams. So I think Jalen was 12, and, and – Murray uh, was 13. Oh, 13. So, yeah. yeah, Jalen Williams was a really good pick for Oklahoma at 12. Uh, I don't recall us, us saying that was like, we thought he had a chance, but I don't think any of us had super strong feelings about um, him that like, oh God, that, you know, he going to be all rookie team or anything like that. But then we thought it was a good pick. I mentioned Benedict, Benedict Matherin was, should be picked before Shaden Sharp. I was like, he better pick up before Shaden Sharp. So I remember that. Uh, obviously, Paulo Bancaro, we were like, wow, he went one, but, like, it made sense. So Orlando did their homework there. Whatever mm -hmm. they decided was the deciding factor between him going one or two, like, they seemed to get that right because he – within the first ten games, it was looking like, okay, he's going to be a good pro and be right. good for quite a while. Yeah. Strong and everything. So, you know, audience, this year went by, and you, we talk about the draft. We look at it. We talk to people. We talk to coaches. We talk to AU coaches, agents. 
uh, guys who work in NBA offices, like, you know, what are they? It's a never-ending cycle of information and stuff, but, you right. know, what, what, where did they get things right or where did they get things wrong, generally speaking, with this group? And then we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, future groups, but what did they get right and what did they get wrong here? Yeah, I mean, it's still a little too early to tell, but obviously, like, that pop, and I always say that, I say that because look at Brandon Ingram and Ben right. Simmons, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and, you know, now we would say Brandon Ingram, but yeah. I think uh, it was just a, what they got right, especially that Apollo being number one. I know yeah. we kind of heard that, like, later on that day, yeah. but yeah. just, I think Orlando was looking for someone that could really help them in winning right away, even though Orlando did not make the playoffs. Uh, they still did good. Paulo was still really good. He kind of made a surge to get them potentially in that play-in tournament. Um, some guys, like you said, I mean, we still got to see, like, what Shadon Sharp's about, right? Like, uh, you know, he had moments in Portland, but you see some guys that drafted ahead of him that was like, you know, maybe we could have helped Portland uh, right away. You, 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 you see some teams that skipped on, like, Jalen Williams, Benedict Mathurin, Walker Kessler, that, you know, when you talk about, like, Indiana is going to be a playoff team in the near, in the near future, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Utah is going to be a playoff team, and uh, Dana has done a good job. Uh, but guys like Walker Kessler just speed up the process. Uh, Jalen Williams, obviously, like we saw Oklahoma in the playing game. Guys like that, you know, some of these teams that were drafted that drafted ahead yeah. and pick guys that you know we still kind of see what the role or impact is in the NBA. Yeah, um, which I think Shaden has a high ceiling. But I'm not just picking on him, but, like, there are guys that – there are teams that are still going to be, you know, in that mediocrity trail, uh, <laughs> uh, non-playoff, tanking, tanking, tanking every year because they didn't draft some of these guys. So, you know, it's important when you draft, when you draft like, in the top five, top six. You got to get it right. You want to get it right a lot more than wrong because, you know, that keeps you in that, yeah. that field of, you know, just being bad or mediocre. Yeah, that makes sense. Chelsea, you have any thoughts on that? Like in terms of, you know, just uh, we saw where the rookies uh, landed. And I'll, I'll mention the second team real quick. Uh, Jalen Duran, I thought he went too low. We talked about that, Donnie, that how good of a high school player he was and how physically strong he was. Um, second team, uh, Jaden Ivey, uh, Jeremy Sosen from Baylor. Jabari Smith again. We, he was, you know, potentially labeled as a as a number one type player uh, coming out of Auburn, the Rockets, and Tari Eason, who all three of us liked. I think all three of us saw him at the summer league. And we're like, he he's going to make an impact, and uh, he made second team. So again, opportunity. Again, he got a lot of playing time. Some other rookies don't. So talk about that, just. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I look at these teams and you just mentioned how it's not like the first through fifth pick on, on the first team and, and they're kind of all over the place. You know, Ani talks from kind of a general management drafting standpoint and what they're looking for. But but I just look at it from a player standpoint and I see it just about being fit and opportunity, um, you know, really depending on where you go as a player can impact if you're going to be on this team, because, you know, are you getting the chance to play? I think about James Wiseman, who was a high pick, what, two or three seasons ago and, yeah. you know, drafted by the Golden State Warriors and never played and eventually got traded to the Detroit Pistons. Now he's getting his game off. He's looking like, you know, um, a formidable big man. And, yeah. you know, if you don't have the opportunity in the minutes, then you're just not going to have a chance to, to to be on these teams. And, um, 
Correct. And, and sometimes you do get the opportunity. Like I think Jabari Smith, um, you know, second team, everybody had him as arguably trying to say maybe he could possibly go uh, number one over um, Paolo in terms of the draft. But I think, you know, he had plenty of opportunity. He, he's yeah. on a Houston team that, you know, is not good, sure. uh, you know, playing a lot of minutes. And, and he still found himself on the second team. So yeah. it's just about, you know, fit, opportunity, who's coming in and being able to contribute. And just by the looks of things, I think they got the first team right. Um, I, I think Jaden Ivey was the guy that could have been in there. I don't really know yeah. who the place. Yeah. But – I think that I would have been okay with him being in there. Other than that, um, I think that, like I said, I think they got it right and they hit the nail on the head with the guys that did make it. All of them were impact players and, you know, true contributors um, on, even if the team didn't make the playoffs, they were making a push um, and sure. it was positive impact. Yeah, opinion. helping their teams. And uh, again, fortunes change fast. So again, you want to hit the draft as I said, especially when you're real high or there's a top, three or four guys that everybody thinks are, you know, consensus best. Sometimes it's only two guys, you know, uh, this year we're kind of saying first it was always two guys, Scoot Henderson and, and, and Victor. Now we're saying there's three guys, you know, is, is, is the Alabama kid, you know, better than Scoot Henderson, that, that type of thing. So the, the interesting pick will be fourth, right? Who, you know, who gets the number one pick and then who, who drafts good at four? Because everybody's expects some kind of quote unquote fall off, you know, quote unquote fall off in talent or whatnot. So we're, we're going to talk about that, talk about, you know, who's in, who's out as, as time goes on. And and but in terms of the NBA, the, the teams with the, the experience, the coaching mm -hmm. and the few difference makers are really still playing. You know, want to give a shout out to the guys who came younger guys who came to the Balls Life game. Uh, again, we're, they're all over the place. We talk about Bennett and Matherin, then his high, his college teammate, Dalen Terry, goes 18. Dalen doesn't play that much. He needs more seasoning, a little more strength, and he's in out in L.A. working. And then uh, Jalen Green from the Houston Rockets was there. We talked about the Rockets need to improve. K.J. Martin was there. Ty Ty Washington, another Rocket, was there. Again, as a young core, but where do they go? They need a veteran. They, you know, Ani, real quick, obviously a rock star, a guy who people like. People love Jalen Green. He's mm -hmm. a back group I mentioned. He's by far the most popular guy, but and he was a high draft choice, and he went higher than Evan Mobley. Like, is the verdict out on you know still out on him? Does he just need more veterans and better players around him, or is is it what you see what you get? He's going to score. He's going to make athletic plays. Or do you think he's going to take a step up at some point in the next couple of years? Oh. If I had to project, I really don't know. I mean, Houston just hasn't done a good job just building the team together. I think sure. the team was kind of uh, – him and KPJ backcourt probably wasn't the most uh, ideal uh, sure. one. Just, you know, you see you got a lot of guys, guys just jacking the ball up. Um, I think he can, you know, get to a certain point. I mean, the, the star talent is there in the upside. Does he get it again? Just a big offseason for Houston. Uh, gonna, you know, who, you know, buy in all those things. He's going to have to be more of a playmaker guy that yeah. just really kind of just, you know, dishes it out more. Or you have a really good true PG traditional or true PG with him that kind of make it work. Uh, I think the next few years is going to be dependent upon how Houston uh, structures the roster. 
and if they structure where okay they want if it's more like hey Jalen wants to be more of a like this this hybrid type guard and blah 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 and he works at it I can see that under the right cast right good veterans and stuff like that if it's more hey we just want you to be a scorer and we're going to have a stronger like you know PG that can really just manage everything and control them, then I think it can work. But I think if for him to make his star, true star like potential is going to be like more on this hybrid guard look. Um, but I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to project because I got to see how Houston's going to structure the mm-hmm. roster. Correct. Uh, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. Yeah. Very young team, as you mentioned. Younger than San Diego State and some college teams. Really, that's just like, mm-hmm. that's not going to win right now. No. The way the, the NBA is structured. So, um, speaking of the NBA, we, as we mentioned that, you know, these series, and, and we're getting down to the, the better teams. And we, we, we kind of mentioned things change fast. So, Chelsea mentioned Wiseman. I'm thinking, I'm watching this game with you, Ani. I'm like, if Wiseman was coming off the bench and just maybe giving a little, giving AD a little trouble. Yeah, maybe altering his shot here and there. Maybe he's not better player than AD, but he's surely going to do a lot more than the roster they got now. You know what yeah, I mean? Like to right. slow him down. They look like all world against Can against Sacramento, but they don't look all world right now. <laughs> so, like, let's talk. Let's start with that series. Then we got to talk about uh, what Miami's doing right. We've talked about Miami before, and then the other two series are two two. So go ahead, Chelsea. You start with whatever series you want, and we're, I know what series we're going to close with. And we'll we'll talk about whatever you guys want. Okay, well, we're going to start with my series. And big win last night, Ani, for my Lakers. We are up 3-1 against Golden State. Uh, We're taking it back to the Chase Center game five on Wednesday, which I will be present for to watch my boy LeBron close this thing out. But Five? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm feeling five now. I I guess. But I'm feeling five now. So I'll be at the Bay at the Chase Center for the game. Uh, but this was the most, I think, anticipated series. I mean, you know, the, the history between the Warriors and the Lakers. I mean, the Warriors, I guess LeBron and the Warriors, but, you know, let's say that. Um, everybody was anticipating it, and I think the Lakers have just kind of exerted their dominance. Um, they had a really good carryover from, you know, the trade deadline and, and how they finished the NBA regular season. And, and, and we're just seeing the – the um the disparity i guess in in the post for golden state you just mentioned wiseman um anthony davis with the exception of i think game two has been having a field day um out there and he's really the key uh, to the lakers success you know when ad is is being him he's been you know at the forefront of a lot of these um talk shows lately uh undisputed uh first take just at for his lack of performance uh every other playoff mm-hmm. game. um but i think when when Anthony Davis is locked in, the Lakers kind of go as he goes. Um, we know what we're going to get from LeBron. LeBron is still 38 and, you know, aging. So he can't carry like like he's used to. So the Lakers really destiny kind of depends on Anthony Davis. And when he exerts his dominance, the Lakers are really good. Uh, on the other hand, Steph is doing his thing for Golden State, but it, it just seems that every night they're missing something, uh, whether it's post-play, uh, whether it's, you know, Jordan Poole, who they paid a whole bunch of money to, who's, you know, basically unplayable uh, right now in certain moments. Um, you know, Clay's been inconsistent and kind of up and down. 
Steph's been doing his thing, but it's not looking good for for Golden State at the moment, being down three one, which they say ninety five percent of the time um, goes to the team that's up three wins. So you know, I'm looking forward to see what happens, Ani. You know, you picked Golden State in our last pod. I mean, talk to me. What what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Are you a little bit nervous? Um, you know, what's what's going on? No, no I mean, I picked Golden State. Uh, a little nervous for my uh, for the Warriors. I mean. Uh, just you know they're really struggling when you look at this the size differential right and uh you know before i even get on golden state i mean it anthony davis in this playoffs has really just been fantastic you know already has i want to say like 11 or 14 blocks right now in four games he had 26 (laughs) with memphis you know no one's really was talking about his defense uh in that last playoff series he's really disrupted Golden State's offensive flow. You know, you see in Steph and those guys second guess themselves when they get to the rim, right? Like he uses his arms like to deflect passes, uh, you know, just blocking shots. I mean, the way LA LA can play defense the way they can by basically making Golden State and and those guys be drivers because of Anthony Davis, right? Mm -hmm. He just so feared. And that's what like Ronnie talked about with Sacramento. That's why they look like superstars versus Sac. Like no one's worried about Sabonis, right? But when you got Anthony Davis in there, he really just, he just impacts the whole, he impacts them so much defensively. But um, also want to say like, yeah, I I think a James Wiseman would have helped, right? Like, you know, they would have kind of been patient, developed him, even if it's 10 minutes, right? (laughs) Or it could have given some of these older guys a breather and then come back and play the pace that they want to play because, you know, L.A. doesn't want to play that fast. It would help Golden State. Um, But, yeah, Golden State just, you know, Kevon Looney's doing the best he can. I thought Jermichael Green, I wish we would have seen him a little bit more. Um, I thought he had a really good game, too. Uh, No, game three was just all right. But, like, I wish we could see him a little bit more. No one was good for Golden State game three. So it it is what it is. But, um, yeah, you know, I know they're trying to switch their lineups, go small. It just – it hurts when you go that small, like with Gary Payton and Draymond at the five because you have uh, Anthony Davis. <laughs> you have to guard on the offense. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be L.A. I think still – I think it's L.A. in six. I did have Golden State in six. I don't see that. Uh, I think the problem Golden State has is something they really can't fix, you know, which yeah. is they don't have it in the roster. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You, you you mentioned the personnel. And again, I mentioned the pool Draymond incident to me still plays a, a role, whether people think. Yeah. Um, but also the trade, the Wiseman trade. Again, you got to make the right personnel move. So you, you're more invested in pool. Like you said, Chelsea, on the last pod, like he had such a people were like, man, this guy could be like an all NBA type player. You know, he's so good in these playoffs, meaning last year. Now it's just like, boom, the bottom dropped out of it. And he's not even really playing that much no more or playing for this series. And again, if they lose it, the season will be over, obviously. But he kind of ended on a on a on a on a whimper instead of like on a high note. And maybe that trade is uh, going to come back to bite him in the butt or like who they decided to invest in, because my bigger issue with that is, we, is not so much, you know, the, the their play is they're they're aging. They can't do it every night. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they look like world beaters. I think that's been the big problem is um, whether they're not getting the bench play. They they like Clay and, and Steph are not playing that level every night. Right. That level every third night or every yeah. third game, right? So. Mm-hmm. 
that has been a problem in this series. Now, the Lakers just made the nice, the, the right moves. Maybe they've got a fortune of love with Lonnie Walker going nuts in, in this last game. But, you know, the, the moves they made and the younger guys, the more length with Vanderbilt and, and just LeBron playing a little bit smarter, make more physical, making guys guard him in the post or and in driving in the post. If LeBron wouldn't settle for threes, he's just taxing on a defense, especially an aging defense. Like, nobody on Golden State wants to be right. him in the in the key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, also, he dislodges those guys, get them out of the way. They either have to foul him or he's going to make a little short shot, which is how we wanted him to play for a while, not settle for three. So mm-hmm. kudos to them. They're doing a good job, and they're going to have to do it again, looks like, regardless of what team advances in Phoenix-Denver. I mean, I would think it may be probably Denver, but if Phoenix pulls through, like, they're going to have to do it again. Um, play this way again. The smart inside work with Davis, LeBron not not selling for these ones. The Lakers are still shooting too many threes. It's just that Golden State not hitting any. So if Golden State's not hitting any, they're they have no like you said, Ani. They have no answer. They right. just fast. They they they're not going to have it every night. So what is the, so basically what they're going to have to do? Play excellent for three straight games. That's probably not going to happen. The way no now so. Um, for my bigger issue is like, yeah, their 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 ability to do it every night, and like you said, just having a little more. Uh, they're not getting anything from pool, so they're they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Uh, speaking of that, what do you that series? The other series is, Ani. We we kind of watched that game too when we were getting ready to watch the Ball Dogs game on Sunday, and we're just thinking um, the that that in that series that goal that that. Phoenix, I'm like, they look good without CP3. The ball's mm-hmm. moving. They're a little bit younger, faster. Uh, they, they, they're, they're, they adjusted, and they got two games. So now, now we have a good series. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, man, that, that, that series, you know, Phoenix made shots, especially at home. They're making shots that they weren't making. I mean, obviously Devin Booker, you know, now he's arguably the best player in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler still won. The way he's playing has been – Great. When him and KD are going, uh, it's just really hard to beat. You know, you wish you got more out of Aiden. You know, Landry Shaman obviously came big, but they can space the floor. They can play a little faster. There's not as much dribbling. You know, uh, I think defensively they can do they can do some more. Right, like uh, really good ball movement. They can really put the like the point of focus on like Devin Booker and KD bringing the ball up, initiating the offense all the time, and uh, they just make shots. I want to see if they can do that in Denver. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be very interesting to see uh, them doing it in Denver. But, uh, you know, kudos to them. I thought it would just be a one-and-one one when they're at home and be like they'll, they'll go to Denver 3-1. But, you know, to win both of them has been fantastic. I don't know. CP3 needs to come off the bench going forward. Uh, he just needs to be a just uh, you know the the towel guy, the high five guy, you know. Stop it! <laughs> you don't like that. Stop. You know, you know, come on, like, and to do that and help lead, and you know, maybe you can get to the finals again. Go ahead, Chelsea. What do you think there? Ani, you Ani takes things too far. Like he literally takes it too far. Listen, I'm a huge CP3 fan. Um, you know, but I do agree that him not playing in these last two games has changed the pace, um, you know, for the Phoenix Suns. And I also think, too, because Chris Paul is so ball dominant, he's yeah. used to facilitating and setting the table. 
that or playing with guys that he needs to do that for. Like, I think he needs to step back and realize like KD and Booker don't need him to set the table. It's just, just give me the damn ball. And I'm Devin Booker. I'm shooting with two hands in my face and and I'm making it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, And I think that's the difference. I think, Cameron Payne, you know, can't hold a candle to to Chris Paul, but he he's playing faster. He's pushing the ball up. You know, KD, Devin Booker are are getting the ball quickly on the move, and you know, KD's already seven feet tall, can shoot over anybody. But you know, if he has a little bit of downhill, you really aren't going to be able to stop it. So so I do admit that you know Cameron Payne has increased the tempo for them. Um, but I, but I see Chris Paul, especially because he continues to get hurt in the postseason. Um, you know, his body's not handling maybe the intensity or maybe the fast paced play, which is why he tries to slow the game down to a level where he's able to, um, you know, kind of make an impact. Um, but I agree with Ani in a sense that I think he doesn't need to come off the bench, but his limits need to definitely be limited. And I think in a close game, maybe on the road, like when they're playing in Denver, then then he can come in and be more of a closer and manage the game in terms of it's a one or two possession game and there's two minutes left on the clock. I think that would be ideal for him. But as far as him playing big minutes in a game where they want to get up and down and go fast, I, I definitely think that that, you know, is not going to lead to the success uh, uh, for Phoenix at this point. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's basically a two out of three now. Uh, I do. I do want to say about that. Like, regardless of who the personnel, regardless of the strategy, just like high level offense in that mm-hmm. game for holy. Like, between Joker yeah. and the Joker, like, you're the offense was just incredible. Like, you can talk about Aiden. You know, Aiden's not the number one guy pick type of player. He's just getting cooked, but still, like, give some credit to the offensive players. They're just playing really well and just hitting difficult shots, you know, like, yeah. man, the, 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 the Lakers, Golden State are not hitting those type of shots. There's a different type of series, more of a grinded mm-hmm. out, uh, you know, who, who can outlast the other team who's playing smarter. And that seems to be the Lakers right now. But in that other series, just like, okay, look at this shot, you know, like, damn. <laughs> you can just really, so either, I think the Lakers, especially if it's Denver, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Big time, big Absolutely. time. It's it's, it's going to be because again, you got to have to win one or two games in Denver, and that won't be easy. So let's switch to the East. Miami's looking, uh, man, just Brolstra and his group in in playoff. Jimmy, those guys are looking good. What are the Knicks not doing? I guess Chelsea. What or what? Or is it just Miami? Is what is Miami's doing? Well, the Knicks can't shoot. That's that's the the main problem. Um, and, and honestly, Miami has the best player in the series and arguably the best player in the playoffs. Like, Jimmy Butler has been exceptional. They have no answer for him. Um, we talk about the heat culture all the time where it's really next man up. You know, yeah. they haven't missed a beat with Tyler Hero gone. Duncan yeah. Robinson's been inserted back into the lineup. But I just think the toughness and the leadership of Jimmy Butler is what has been carrying Miami. Yeah. Um, everybody's on a roll and they're stepping up. And as much as I love Jalen Brunson as a player and, and he's shined in his own right, he's been very solid. Um, it's, you know, we thought that this was going to be just like a perfect matchup, but the heat have dominated them and, you know, credit to, to Jimmy Butler and those guys, but they, they look like the far better team in the series and the Knicks inability to shoot consistently is, is their Achilles heel. And not that Miami is the best shooting team, but they have some sharp shooters and, and Struess and people that can, and Duncan Robinson that can come in and fill it up. And and they're just the better team. And they're getting out of their next game. And 
we'll see the eighth seed Miami Heat advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. Wow. And that is just a lot of credit to Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler. I mean, I cannot harp on that enough because Jimmy is doing it without a co-star, really. I mean, I guess you can say Bam is a co-star, but I say no. You know, he doesn't have a Jamal Murray. He doesn't have a, you know, uh, Anthony Davis or LeBron James, however you want to flip it. He doesn't have a Clay Thompson. Like, he's literally doing this by saying, guys, follow me. I'm Jimmy Butler. I'm a dog. I bring toughness. I bring leadership. And and we're just going to ride this thing out. And I'm very impressed with Miami. Yeah, no. I, you know, the the big thing here is depth. I mean, yeah, obviously, New York's not making shots to, or, to Maddox to Miami. It's just depth. I mean, Kevin Love's had a pretty good playoffs, right? Like Kyle Lowry's, you know, I think he's gone to the founder youth a little bit. You know, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson's has good games. Max Struess, like there's guys, the, the guys like Bam and Jimmy are doing their part, and Jimmy's even exceeding what people thought he could he could he could be since compared to how he's been playing during the season. Sure. When, when you look at New York, it's like you know Randall. He's you know you can tell injury still kind of bothering a little bit, but he's doing fine. Jalen Brunson, uh, R.J. Barrett had a pretty good game, uh, game three, but he's still inconsistent. You know, you're not getting a whole lot like uh, Jason. I mean, Hart has uh, just been okay. You know, Quentin Grimes has been okay. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's been okay, but you know, I named about six, seven guys Miami, and I think they had like six or seven guys in double figures last game. Where wow. in New York, you only had three. <laughs> you know, you, you you can't win that many games. I think Miami just really showing off their depth. Uh, the way they can defend and really just make it hard for the opposing team to score. And, uh, you know, like you said, Chels, I think the best player in this series is Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. right? But it, I think what's kind of underrated is just how much depth and, like, some of these guys are just playing. Like, who thought Kevin Love was going to be as good as he's been, right, be a contributor for the playoffs like this? Who thought Kyle Lowry would, you know, really kind of research back to, you know, what we what we thought we would be seeing from him? Um that that's the big difference in this series. Yeah, that makes sense. And then they're 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 in control, and for the final series is is two two, and that is uh, just two heavyweights, kind of you know Boston and and Philly, two old playoff rivals teams that have been around, and it's still up in the air, like kind of like Phoenix Denver. Uh, somebody will step up hard and had a great yeah. game, and then. <laughs> You know, obviously Boston seems to be the favorite. They would probably be the favorite if they advanced to play Miami. But, you know, uh, what's your guys' thoughts there, uh, Chelsea? Uh, This has been a very interesting, you know, kind of back and forth series. Uh, We've seen James Harden kind of turn back the clock, I guess. I mean, I don't really think he turned back the clock. I think he's very much still James, but he knows how to adapt to, you know, the situation at hand. Right now he plays with Joel Embiid, who's league MVP dominant post player. So he's getting him the ball. So I'm obviously going to have less points if I'm shooting. But when we see in Joel Embiid's absence, then James steps up and he's Houston Rockets James and he's filling it up and he's scoring big. And and he did that last time when Joel came back as well. So they have a good one-two punch. Um, I still see Boston as the favorite. I think they just have the better team. I think Boston struggles with just checking out sometimes. I mean, we saw that when they played the Atlanta Hawks, like games that they should win. They're just kind of like not as engaged as they should be. And they end up losing uh, or, or dropping the ball um, in a game or two. But but I see them winning today in game five. Um, I see them closing out the series. And, you know, the Sixers, I feel like it's, it's just a weird time for them. You know, you have Doc Rivers as a coach. Doc Rivers has had many rosters with a lot of talent and he just can't get over the hump. 
Like, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but I just don't see it happening this series either. Um, as incredible as Joel and James are, I think the most complete team is still Boston. Uh, they have, you know, one-two punch and, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, and just collectively, I think they have the depth and the roster to, to you know, see it through in the um, Eastern Conference semis off to the finals. And then I have them, you know, hopefully meeting my Lakers uh, in the oh, NBA. Wow. So. Boston and the Lakers playing the final. I'll probably go to a game that like that'll interest me. That's the only yeah. two teams I really care about in all this. You know, like mm-hmm. as a from a fan perspective, I care about right. like oh, as sure. a fan, I only want to see Boston Lakers. Like you know, this is 17, 18 titles, all the history from the his, history standpoint. But also you want to see all the players, you know, do their best. So like a guy like Lonnie Walker, you know. Again, a top 20 guy in that 217 class with guys like Gary Trent Jr., mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, Kevin Knox. And like, wow, not, everybody, not a lot of people know about Lonnie Walker, you know, right. Miami guy. I'm glad he got his, what, 13 points in the fourth? Or do you have 18? 15, 15. 15, all in the fourth. That's a mm-hmm. lot. That's a lot. Now, it's not like a, a lucky shot here. That's like a big difference maker. Right. You know, like that. The Lakers need that, though, because, you know, again, you're going to have LeBron's going to have his days where he's, Gonna maybe not have it like Chelsea says, mm-hmm. all in the tank. So he's gonna shoot threes and he's not shooting a great percentage. That mm-hmm. doesn't look like it's gonna change. But they have enough, he's smart enough to, you know, draw some fouls, dish it. And that's what I kind of like to see him play. And he seemed to be doing that. You know, the, the trades they made at the deadline were like everything, mm-hmm. you know, like for them. They got younger. Everybody's all oh, they're old. No, they're not that old. They're young. Just one guy's old, you know, like yeah. the rest of them are young. You know, they're, they're, they're fine in that regard. Um, I'm with you more, Ani. Like you, Chelsea. You mentioned Doc Rivers. I, I as, when CP3 was his point guard and the Clippers aren't, they're not going to win the title. Not not with him as the point guard. Be honest with you, they're, they're not going to win. You know, so we'll see what what Philly has a chance to do. But I I, I kind of agree. I, you know, if if CP3's dribbling the air out of the ball and he gets healthy, you know, like they're not going to win. So they 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 do need to look at this and be like, yeah, that we need a change and keep with this. This is working. Right. That's going to be an interesting series. Those last three games that just, just, I like the offensive basketball they're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And, and as you mentioned, things change fast. So Chelsea, let's go back to what you said. And, um, you know, Steph's going to play like they look completely gassed. You said he's going to play five, seven years. Like, I, I don't know. Unless yeah. completely- seven, seven was for sure too much. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And they don't have it every night, you know? Yeah, and actually for the first time now that they're using Steph as, that was one of the adjustments that the Golden State Warriors did is they put Steph on the ball more. And now you're seeing his energy level kind of decline, which is something I haven't really seen in the past. Usually, you know, Draymond could be on the ball or somebody else on the ball and Steph's able to just run around like crazy. Um, But but, but you're seeing the, you know, the shift, like it's hard. And and Steph played on the ball yesterday. He was exceptional. And in his passing, he had double-digit assists. He had a triple-double on the game, but he shot terribly from three. And, yeah. and maybe that goes down to that energy, you know, meter, Ani, kind of just, you know, having to run around and be on the ball and, and set things up and make all these passes. And now he doesn't have the legs under him to knock down his threes. You know what I'm saying? So, obviously, I think that he's still going to be able to play for several years. And, and the style of play is just going to have to change. He's going to, you know, turn into a Clay Thompson and be more catch and shoot. But I think his ability to shoot is still going to allow him to, to to be a very formidable NBA player, even in, you know, at 38, 39 years of age. 
you know, I went back and watched. <clears throat> excuse me. I went back and watched some of those games with Steph. I actually really like him on the ball. His handles got a lot better. Even in Sacramento, I thought him playing on the ball was a difference maker. Just, you know, he he got to the paint. He was finishing. He was making threes. Uh, I just think this is something you he can't do as much this series. He can't get to the basket because AD is just such a, you know, he's such a force in the paint. Uh, but I think Golden State's at their best when he is playing on the ball. I think just his ball handling and creating has got so much better. I mean, the way L.A., like, if you think about it compared to, like, back in the day, like, pressure used to bother him. Pressure doesn't bother him anymore. Uh, so I think he can still play a couple years. Um, I think he can be someone that could still play on the ball. You just keep, I just think the, the personnel just has to match <laughs> with his play. Like, especially when you're going higher, when you're playing teams like LA with the AD in the paint, the team around him has to be suited for him to play longer. Um, if he's still required to do that, exert that much energy for them to even be in the game, then, you know, it's just going to be hard. Then he might as well just try to be a clay. But I think his playmaking's really improved. I mean, and I hope Jordan Poole takes some notes because you know, he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's what, and that's what we talked about. So forces can change fast. A year ago, people were saying Jordan Poole's going to keep the dynasty going. You know, it likes that, that, that just changed fast. And then, again, we talked about some of the personnel moves and then you know age is you know age is winning all the time age is always undefeated as, as people like to say in basketball terms or in sports terms so you know we'll, we're going to continue to move on again we appreciate everybody on being on for episode 161 as we kind of wrap up we're going to come back and talk about maybe the eybl ani we're going to talk about uh mm-hmm. Chelsea's pro experience and then we're going to get ready for the for the draft we'll talk about the you know some of the things at pangos camp and then some some of the things in the scholastic, which will come very fast. You know, the, it was a lot of work to do this ball, this life all American game. I do want to give a shout out again to everybody on the team that contributed. It was a really good event overall. I think the fans saw a good game, and we're seeing some good NBA playoff games. So we'll hopefully continue. We'll continue to watch that as we prepare for the 2023 NBA draft in in, in June. But yeah, you know, like as we as we mentioned. Um, those things as far as like people's fortune. You look at just last, just in the last year, I just want to close with this. Just in the last year, everybody's like, Steph's the greatest point guard ever. He's going to win his fifth championship. Is that just social media talking or like, are people just like, you know, and then he looks a little gassed in this series. I did want to mention too, that shot he took last night. People would have killed Jordan Poole or Clay Thompson for that. That wasn't a good shot. I don't care. You know, I don't know what you did. It was just, Steph, you had eight, 10 seconds on the clock. Is that the fatigue? That Chelsea you mentioned, what did you see there, Chelsea? And then Steve Kerr got really mad at Clay Thompson and his shot, a couple of shots he took too. Talk about that real quick, Chelsea. I think Steph just let AD off the hook. Yeah. Like, I know he tried to go downhill a little bit on the first shot because the first yeah. one was a mid range. He tried to fake him out a little bit, yeah. end up into the mid range. AD was too long for that. But yeah. when Draymond Green got that rebound and threw it back out to Steph, Steph yeah. is six feet off the three-point line and ad it came all the way up on him there was a lot of space like i felt like that was the time that he can Drive. you know maybe get downhill if he gets past ad there's no really rim protector at the rim maybe he goes into his floater uh but but i just felt like it, there was a lot of space there was a lot of time and it definitely was a bad shot and and that was the you know kind of seal the deal for the lakers to win the game sure. uh but you know you talked about just 
Steph being the best all the time and Jordan Poole stinking it up. I think sometimes we're just a prisoner of the moment. And, yeah, and right. I certainly was a prisoner of the moment with Jordan Poole. I mean, I looked yeah. at his offensive package, which yeah. I, I, I made the mistake of saying that he's a, you know, a great offensive player. But his offensive package is pretty elite in terms of what he can do. He can do everything. He can get downhill, floater, mid-range, shoot the three. Um, you know, but him as a player uh, has not been great. And, you know, when I really dissected the, um, what's happening to him and him being unplayable with Golden State, like, he might play himself off the roster. Wow. He, he signed that big contract. And, and I know that they're kind of all in on him, but we've talked about defensively how he's horrendous. Sure. Um, offensively, the skill set, you know, is incredible. But just the th- the decision-making out there, the poor shot selection, he, you know, he sees Steph as his running mate and he thinks that he can do Steph-like things. Yeah. And I just don't see it. And, and I think the, the, the shift in his minutes um, kind of lets you know that Golden State is not rolling you know, right now with it. They're, they're just, they're just not. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to take that contract to right now, based off the way that he's played, you know, it's a lot of money. Um, But, but I still think that because he's young that, you know, he, he has a chance to, to, to kind of turn the tide, Um, you know, maybe not so much now because the golden golden state warriors are on their way out and the season could be over. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens. And as far as Steph, you know, being the best PG of all time, as incredible as Steph is, I still have Magic. Um, sure. You know, I've just watched a lot of tape on Magic, you know, just his size and the things he was able to do. Like, I don't ever think we'll be able to see that again, you know. And, and maybe we'll never see another Steph again. But we have a better chance, in my opinion, of seeing a Steph than seeing a Magic. So sure. that's just kind of where I'm at with it, Ani. Yeah, uh, Jordan Poole. They shouldn't trade him. Uh, I think they need to get. They need to. You See give him that contract. You need to prioritize him more, and you may need to let guys like Clay Thompson go. <laughs> you know, the, I'm. <clears throat> you can't win the championship with with this roster. Obviously, you would need a big. If you feel mm-hmm. that you need right. to get the most out of Jordan Poole, even if you need to get the most out of Jordan Poole to get his trade stock up to eventually trade him, uh, you're going to have to make some roster moves. You're going to have to live with some of these things. Is someone like Clay and them kind of stunting his growth? You know, then we got, we got to start asking, we got to start asking that question. I think there's still a lot there with Jordan Poole. Uh, what we saw last year in the playoffs. And we got to also think about this. There is more tape on him now. So these NBA teams really know what he does, right? Can really take that away. I think he can polish up the playmaking. I think he can give more of a shit on the defensive end, right? Like, I think these are things he can't control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the – I won't say it's the roster's fault, but I do think Golden State, in, in order to get your money's worth or get close to it, you're going to have to make some changes in the offseason and prioritize him more, right? Yeah. Uh, Ronnie, I was thinking the same thing you were when, in regards to Steph. Game seven, you know, everyone say, ah, you know, 50 points, greatest game seven performance. First round. TV. First no, round. no one is talking about yeah. that no more, yeah. right? No, it's think, like, no. I think Steph's playing great. I think he is. He's going back, good, going back I, to that last play, yeah. again, I've been talking about AD. That was, AD played fantastic defense, he right? Was, like, yeah. he didn't want to drive in the basket because he didn't know where AD was going to be. You can go by AD and he can still recover. Right. 
and still block your shot. The biggest thing is when Draymond got that rebound, he was right there at the rim. Didn't even look and had Schroeder on him. Exactly. That's the shot that should have went up, but instead we take a 35-step back three from Steph. It was a bad shot. But AD, he didn't want he didn't want to attack AD like that. Steph did not. Wow. Because I'm thinking and I saw his body language and he's looking at it like guys, I I just don't have what do you want me to do? His shoulders are like slumping, like uh, this is all I got. If it's not good enough, I'm sorry. This is what I who I am. So they should have yeah, called a timeout. There's nothing, yeah. I thought about that too. And then uh just that whole sequence of Draymond driving the lane and he threw a Aaron pass, LeBron knew the play already. And then uh, Step kind of grabbing the rebound on the long shot, and then he falls. And is, was it a foul? Then he just kind of thought maybe Jordan uh, uh, Moses Moody was going to grab the ball, and then like threw it out of bounds. That was just an odd ending uh, all around. Yeah. You know, I don't know what Steph was doing there. Maybe thought that they were going to call a foul on him on the on the replay from eighty, like stop. You know, kept them from landing, but. Very tough ending for Golden State fans. And if they win three in a row, I, I, don't, I don't think none of us see that. I don't think anybody see that right now, just because, like you said, mm-hmm. their energy levels. So, hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so on that note, we'll kind of close out. And like we said, we'll, we'll follow these teams. Like you said, maybe they've had to package something, Ani. You know, if you get Clay and Moses Moody and a first-round pick, that's not – you can get something good, maybe a, right. a four-man or – a big guy, you know, they have some assets, you know, again, we talk about Oklahoma city's assets to get better. And, and then they got, they got Chet Holmgren coming back. We talk about Houston definitely needs to make some moves. So we're going to follow that as this off season comes on and culminated with the draft. And then we'll get into the summer. So on that note, I think we're going to end for this episode 161. We appreciate everybody tuning in and again, go watch the replay of the balls live game. We have a lot of content coming up, end of the season stuff as we get into the summer. So for Chelsea Hopkins, Ani Amana, so long till next time. We'll talk to you then. Bye, guys.